We read the Word of God this afternoon in Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which Ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The text we consider is verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. 
Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we as Christians live in our minds and in the midst of the world by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we experience what the scriptures call joy in the Lord. The Catechism teaches us that in this life we have a beginning of eternal joy. And we can grow, and we do grow, in that joy, even as we grow in our faith. But we will not enjoy perfection of joy until the Lord takes us into heaven. We only have a beginning of joy in this life. In the Old Testament, the people of God did have this joy as well, but they were always looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Their joy was when, by faith, they looked forward into the future, into the day of the Lord, as those who were, as it were, sitting in the darkness of the night, and they were waiting for that great day when the Son of Righteousness would arise with healing in his wings, when the Son of Righteousness would shine brightly upon them, and shed upon them the grace of God in salvation, when the Messiah would come, when he would accomplish salvation, because it was in the Old Testament that they were also able to feel what was read at our devotions earlier, what is written in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, saith the preacher. But when Christ came, When the Son of Righteousness arose and shined upon his people, the long night was past, and the day of salvation dawned. And therefore, in the New Testament scriptures, we can find the exhortation of our text. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Because the Lord has come. God has kept his promises. He has fulfilled the prophecies. He has brought salvation. He has risen from the dead. He's conquered sin and death and hell and the devil. And he has given us the hope of everlasting life. We have many, many reasons to rejoice. And yet, sometimes as we live in this world, we do not remember these things. Sometimes our faith grows dim. And then we do not experience the joy of the Lord. We experience sorrows, sufferings, afflictions, trials, temptations. And therefore, we need to hear the emphatic exhortation of our text. And we need to hear it again and again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So let's consider that today under the theme, Rejoice in the Lord Always, the meaning, the manner, and the emphasis. What does the Apostle mean when he exhorts the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always? What is joy in the Lord? Where does joy in the Lord come from? How can we experience joy in the Lord? 
Those are the questions we're going to get into in this first point. When the Apostle exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord, we have to understand, first of all, that that is different from exhorting us to pursue personal happiness, to seek personal happiness in our lives on this earth. It's different from saying to someone, be happy. Do everything you can to be happy. Seek whatever you need to be happy in your life. We hear that all around us today in society. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone encourages everyone else to be happy and to do whatever makes you happy. But that's not the same as saying, rejoice in the Lord always. The word happiness and the concept of happiness is even different from joy. If you think of the word happiness, maybe you've never thought of this before, but it contains the word happen. Hap, happen, happenstance, and happiness are all words that come from the same root. And therefore, happiness is an experience, a feeling, a good feeling, that we have when Things happen the way we want them to happen in our lives. When the things that happen in our lives are the things that we like, the things that please us, the things that we want, the things that we're aiming at. But the thing about happiness is that it is entirely dependent upon our earthly circumstances. Happiness comes and happiness goes. Happiness is a feeling, a positive, nice, happy feeling that we experience when we get our way in this life, when we fulfill our dreams, when life is good and pleasant. But when we're not able to fulfill our goals, when we're not able to accomplish the things we want, when things happen to us that we don't like, then happiness can be lost in an instant. And we can very quickly descend into a feeling of sadness, even a feeling of brokenheartedness, a feeling of being downcast and even depressed. But you see, the apostle is not exhorting us to be happy, to pursue happiness in this life, in the things that make us happy. If he was exhorting that, then he would be telling us to seek something that is not certain and is not lasting. And we know that's not the case. If I am pursuing happiness in this life, then I am going to be focused in my mind, in my thoughts, on the things that I want but do not yet have, or on the things that I have but I do not want or on things which I imagine might happen to me in the future that I don't want to happen. If I am seeking happiness, then I will also be troubled by fear and anxiety. Because if I am currently happy, then I will still struggle with the fear and anxiety that the things that are making me happy right now might be lost. Something could happen tomorrow or the next day or in the future and take away those things that make me happy. And then, I'm afraid, I'll be sad, I'll be broken, I will mourn, 
I will be depressed. How could I go on without these things that make me happy? If we're pursuing happy, happiness, then it might be that we think, if I only have more money, then I could be happy. Or we might think, if we're still single, if I only would meet the person of my dreams, then I could be happy. Or if we're married, we might think, if only we could have children, then I would be happy. Or, even on a day-to-day basis, we can think to ourselves, well, today I will be happy if I accomplish this list of goals. But if anything frustrates me in the plans that I have for today, so I'm not able to accomplish these things, I won't be happy. Or it can be that we think, if I'm able to preserve my current way of life, I like my way of life the way it is right now, And if I'm able to preserve that, to maintain that, then I will continue to be happy. But if anything happens to upset the way I'm living now, I won't be happy. Moms in the home can perhaps think sometimes that I could only be happy if my child will just stop crying all the time or if my child will stop getting sick all the time or if my child will just start behaving better, but I can't be happy as long as my child keeps acting this way. Or if we are struggling in our families with unrest, with estranged children, with division, we can, if we're pursuing happiness, get stuck in a thought pattern of, I will be happy if this gets better, if this changes, if these troubles can be resolved, if there can be peace in our family again. Or if we get sick with a very serious sickness. Or if a family member or a loved one gets sick with a very serious, life-threatening illness. If we're pursuing happiness, we might be tempted to think, he has to get better, I have to get better, and I can only be happy if I get better. You see, that's happiness. Happiness is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful blessing of God when we are happy because God gives us the good gifts and the things that we want, health and strength and wealth and all the rest. But the scriptures don't exhort us to seek happiness. Rather, in our text, the apostle exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord. So if we would set happiness next to joy, we might say that happiness is the good, sweet, positive feeling that we experience when things go right in my life. But joy is the cheerful, wonderful experience and feeling deep down in my soul that is rooted in a true faith in Jesus Christ which I experience when I lay hold on Christ by faith. Joy in the Lord is rooted in faith in the Lord. If you don't have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you cannot have joy in the Lord Jesus Christ either. But if you have faith, if you are one of God's elect, and if he has given you faith in Christ, then you already have 
joy in Christ, and you can never lose it. It's something that God gives to all of his children. Joy in the Lord. But just as we know about faith, faith can burn brightly in our lives at times, and then at other times, faith can grow dim. Faith can be strong, and faith can grow weak. And when faith is growing, when faith is strengthening, then the joy in the Lord is also strengthening. But when faith is growing weak, when faith is diminishing, then that joy will also diminish with our faith. Joy in the Lord is what we experience when we are living by faith. We know that faith is the confidence in things that we cannot see. Faith is the certain knowledge and assured confidence of things that I do not see, but which I know to be true because God reveals it in his word. Faith means that I lay hold upon the Lord, the Lord Jesus, whom I cannot see because he sits at the right hand of God. And joy in the Lord is then that wonderful, cheerful, glad feeling deep, deep down in our souls that we enjoy when, by faith, we lay hold on the Lord. And we remember all of the great blessedness that he has in store for us in heaven and that he will give to us when we enter into glory. That's the joy of the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord in the midst of disappointments and loneliness when I focus in my mind by faith on the Lord and his love and mercy and grace. When I focus my mind not on my loneliness, not on my disappointments, but on the Lord God of heaven who before the foundation of the world loved me and who in his great love for me cares for me, does good to me, and will always only do good to me. I rejoice in the Lord when in the midst of the failures and the sins and the shame and the guilt that I experience in my life, I focus by faith on the Lord who came down into the world, took on flesh and blood, and offered himself in body and soul for my sins, to pay for those sins, to cover those sins with his blood, to atone for those sins once and for all on the cross of Calvary, and in that way to show his love for me. I rejoice in the Lord when I focus by faith in the midst of my battles with sin on the Lord and remember that he by his death has redeemed me from all the power of the devil. So that as I'm waging war with the devil, with temptations, with struggles, and sometimes I fail and fall and sin, I remember by faith but the Lord has broken the chains of sin that bound me and now I'm able to walk as a new creature. Joy in the Lord is the wonderful gladness that I experience when I'm thinking about death. I'm thinking about my own death. I'm thinking about the grave. 
But I remember by faith that the Lord has risen from the dead. That the Lord who died for me also rose from the dead. He lives. He truly lives. He lives in heaven. He lives in glory. And he will carry me out of this life through death into heaven, into the presence of saints and angels innumerable before the throne of God. So that I can look at death and say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The Lord Jesus has risen. I can rejoice. And when I look down into the cold grave, to remember that the grave to the child of God, to me, to my loved ones, is just a bed of rest and sleep. And from that bed of resting, the Lord will raise up the body on the last day. Bring us into the new heavens and earth. Joy in the Lord is a warm cheerfulness of soul, a gladness of the heart, deep, deep down. When I go through struggles and sufferings in this present life, disappointments, trials, even the worst, so that even in the midst of those things, by faith, I remember that the Lord is with me. The Lord will never leave me or forsake me. When I go through the fire, when I go through the flood, when I go through sickness and trials and sufferings and unexpected tragedies, that he is working all these things together for my good. That he is shaping me and fashioning me so that I will be more and more conformed to the image of his Son. He brings me through the fire. He brings me through the flood so that he will purify me and strengthen me. He will test my faith and reveal its purity, its authenticity, so that in my trials, in my sufferings, I will confess the Lord is good. Blessed be his name. And I will become more and more like Christ. That's joy. The Apostle says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel lonely. When you fail to accomplish your goals. When you feel that the whole world is against you. Rejoice in the Lord when your children are sick and crying in the night and you feel worn out and exhausted. Rejoice in the Lord when you have sickness and trouble, even terminal illness in your family and you feel powerless to do anything about it. Rejoice in the Lord when you think about tomorrow and the future. And as he says, be careful for nothing, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The apostle exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. Always. He does that because sometimes we do not. Sometimes we feel depressed and gloomy because we're focusing on the negative things of life. We're focusing on 
our failure to get what we wanted, our frustrations with certain people and certain circumstances that we don't like. We're focusing on our sins and the emptiness and the shame that we feel over those sins. Because in our sinfulness, we often seek joy in the wrong places. And then we're disappointed when it doesn't deliver. And we feel empty. We feel vanity and vexation of spirit. We feel vexed within us because we're looking for this happiness, but it eludes us. And then we don't experience the joy of the Lord. And sometimes we think about the future and we become afraid. We think about all of the things that could happen. We become worried about situations that aren't even real, but which we are afraid might become real. And there are even some Christians who do not enjoy this joy because they actually have a religious belief that the Christian ought to focus on his sinfulness and depravity and nothing else. That the Christian ought to be always weeping over his sins and hanging his head in shame. And even that the Christian ought to doubt his salvation. Well, if that is our religious conviction, then we're not going to be rejoicing in the Lord. The Apostle says, Beloved, rejoice in the Lord always. Because you can. You have every reason to rejoice. God has given you multitudes and abundance of reasons to rejoice in the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord. If we are focusing on the negative things in life, the things we don't have, but we want to have, or the things that we have, but we don't want to have, then the apostle is saying, stop focusing on those things. Stop thinking about those things all the time. Rejoice in the Lord. If we find ourselves constantly anxious about the future, constantly thinking about possible disasters, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Believe and trust in God to take care of you. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Take no thought about the evil of tomorrow. The apostle is saying to us, rejoice in the Lord. Put aside your negative Christianity. There's such a thing as negative Christianity in which such only ever want to speak about, talk about, and focus on the negative parts of Christianity. The apostle says, no. Rejoice in the Lord. Focus on the positive truths and blessings that are yours in Christ. I exhort you to do that. Rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes the child of God feels beaten down and brokenhearted and downcast. And the wonderful thing about our God is that he doesn't break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax. But he comes to us with a gentle voice and a tender tone, and says, My child, rejoice. You can rejoice. Believe and rejoice always.
How do we rejoice in the Lord? If we are going through a time of sorrow or depression, we can often feel that we will never be able to rejoice. That there is no more joy for us. We might sometimes feel the impossibility of rejoicing. And we might respond by saying, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to rejoice. How do I do that? I want to rejoice, but I don't know how. Well, then I would have to respond first by saying, I think, you're on the right track when you say that you cannot of yourself. Because the scriptures teach us that this joy is a gift of God, a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22, which is where we're going to begin our Bible study this Thursday in adult Bible study, starts to list the fruit of the Spirit. And the first three fruits that are given are love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace are fruits of the Spirit, which means the Spirit gives them to us. The only thing that we can pursue by nature, is that elusive thing called happiness, which comes and goes. But the joy of the Lord is rooted in faith. And just as faith is a gift of God, joy in the Lord is also a gift of God. Romans 14, verse 17, the apostle says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit works faith and hope in us, and in those, out of those fountains, he brings joy. So the question then is, how does the Holy Spirit, how is he pleased to give us that joy? Notice a few things. First of all, the Holy Spirit is pleased to give us the joy of the Lord, by means of the pure preaching of the word of God and the proper administration of the sacraments. Those are the chief means of grace, which also give us joy in the Lord. How do I rejoice in the Lord? Well, if I never go to church, if I never listen to the pure preaching of the gospel, if I never participate in the holy sacraments, I can't expect to have it. The Holy Spirit works in the church. The Holy Spirit works through the means of grace. And chiefly, he works through the pure preaching of the gospel and the proper administration of the sacraments. Therefore, I need to come to church. I need to sit under that preaching. And I need to participate in those sacraments. Because that is the way in which the Holy Spirit gives us this joy. It's not because we come to church. It's not because we listen. It's not because we partake of the sacraments, but it's in the way of coming to church, listening to the preaching, taking the sacraments, that we receive the joy of the Lord. And then you understand, of course, 
not just by coming to church and sitting here. If you fall asleep, that doesn't do you any good. Or if during the sermon you're thinking about all kinds of other things, it doesn't do you any good. But when you listen carefully like the Bereans, with readiness of mind, with joyfulness of heart, eager to feast on the preaching of the word of God, then that strengthens our faith and fills us with joy. That is, when it is the pure preaching of the gospel. Because the pure preaching does not set before us the things that we must do to merit, earn, or obtain that joy. But the pure preaching says, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's your joy. God has come into the world in his Son and died for you, in his love for you, in his mercy for you. That's the central message of the preaching. And when we get that message, Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, when we behold the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can rejoice in him. And all the blessings that are ours in him. When we come to the sacraments, and we don't just observe the minister dripping some water on the head of the little one, And how cute that is. But when we see that sprinkling of water, we are consciously seeing there the washing away of our sins, the blood and spirit of Christ. And when we come up to these tables, and we see that bread and that wine imparted to us, and we eat it with our mouths, then in that way God gives us joy when we eat and drink by faith. If we're just eating and drinking mindlessly, it doesn't do us any good. But when we eat and drink by faith, we are blessed with joy. So you see that the Holy Spirit works this fruit in our lives in the way of hearing the preaching of the word, using the sacraments, and he does so too in the way of reading the scriptures day by day. When you get up in the morning, At night, you read the scriptures. The Holy Spirit inspired those scriptures. He gives us joy as we read the scriptures and apply it to our hearts and lives. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit gives us joy in the Lord in the way of prayer and singing. Prayer and singing. That's what the Apostle goes on to talk about in this chapter, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Rather, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice how he says, with thanksgiving. As we are praying day by day, giving thanks to God for all of his marvelous blessings, we receive joy. We are reminded of what God has done for us in Christ. We're reminded of the blessings that we enjoy. Sometimes we forget those things. But then when in prayer we enumerate, we list, we count our blessings one by one, and that fills us with joy. And then we pray as well, Lord, give me this joy. Lead me out of this valley of tears. Bring me to the foot of the cross. Bring me to the empty tomb. Remind me of Christ. 
and give me joy. And then there's that blessed activity of singing. As you read through the Psalms, how many times do the Psalms speak of rejoicing? We rejoice when we sing. When we sing the godly songs of Zion, the Psalms of the Lord and the good hymns as well, when we sing truths of the Scriptures, then we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and we receive joy. And also when we sing, we listen to others singing. When we gather in the church with God's people and we all together sing, it's a joyful experience. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Singing and listening to other saints singing. The Spirit uses that to fill me with joy. And finally, the Spirit gives us joy in the way of living the Christian life. When we walk in the paths of sin and iniquity, when we leave the church, when we go into the world, when we wallow in the slime pits of sin, when we indulge the lusts of the flesh. Canons of Dort says that, like David and Peter, we lose the sense of God's favor if we are elect only for a time until God works repentance in us and leads us back to the church. It's in the way of walking in the Christian life that we can rejoice in the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, 10 through 12, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is teaching that when we walk in the way of love, love for God as he first loved us, love for our saints because God first loved us, when we walk in that way, our joy will be full. Not because it depends on our actions, our works, or our love, but in the way of walking in the love that he works in us, he also gives us joy. So you see, what it means then when he exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord. In these principal ways, the Spirit strengthens our faith, strengthens our hope, strengthens us in love, and it's in that way that we are able to rejoice. The Apostle wants to emphasize this exhortation. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. The Apostle speaks a lot about joy in this epistle. You might even call it the joy epistle. In chapter 1, verse 18, he says, When Christ is preached, I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. In chapter 2, verse 17, he says, If I am martyred for Christ, I joy and rejoice with you all. Imagine that. If I am killed for Christ's sake, he says, I rejoice. 
And he says in chapter 2, verse 18, If I am martyred, then you too rejoice with me. Chapter 2, verse 28, he says, I'm sending Epaphroditus to you again, who was sick unto death, but on whom God showed mercy, so that when you see him again, you might rejoice. Chapter 2, verse 29, he says, Receive him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with all gladness. Chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And then he says it yet again in our text. Chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You see how he's laying emphasis on it in this epistle? By repetition, he wants to impress upon our hearts the blessed joy that is ours as Christians in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he doesn't just say it once, but he says it twice. Again, I say, rejoice, because you can rejoice. You have a million reasons to rejoice. And when the Lord finally comes again and brings us onto the shores of eternity, we will never need to be exhorted again to rejoice. We will never need this emphatic exhortation because then, then we will possess the fullness of joy forever and ever. There will be nothing in glory to disturb our joy. There will be nothing to diminish our joy. There will be no sin. There will be no death. There will be no crying. There will be no pain. The former things will be passed away and we will dwell in perfect joy for all eternity. But in this life, we need to hear this exhortation again and again and again. Rejoice, beloved. Rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Because I know that you're struggling with sin, with shame. I know that you're struggling with all kinds of trials and afflictions. I know that sometimes we seem to slide into the pit of sorrow and fear and anxiety. So rejoice in the Lord. Don't forget that you're able to rejoice in the Lord. And let it be emphasized and repeated again and again. So let us not be discouraged when sometimes we don't have as much joy as we would like. Sometimes we feel that we want more joy. We wish we had more joy. Let us read the scriptures day by day the sweet words of our Lord to us. Let us pray with thanksgiving day in and day out. Let us come to the house of God ready to listen and receive the gospel. Let us sing and make a joyful noise to the Lord in psalms. And let us take it one day at a time. And let us remember Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He doesn't promise to give us the fullness of joy in this life. If he gave us the fullness of joy right here, right now, then he wouldn't feel any desire for heaven. We shouldn't expect to have the fullness of joy here. But 
we can and must expect to have the joy of the Lord. And even to grow in that joy as we think on whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are of good report, and if there be any virtue or any praise, to think on those things and rejoice. Amen. Our gracious God and Father, we thank thee for the gift of joy in Christ. Father, increase our joy. We want more and more of that sweet joy. So increase our faith and our hope that we might not cling to the things of this world that cannot give lasting joy, but rather lift up our hearts day by day to the Lord in heaven at thy right hand. And remember, help us to remember the everlasting treasures that are in store for us there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We conclude by singing Psalter number 406. Yea, let them praise his blessed name with all abounding joy, the sounding timbrel and the harp, in songs of praise employ. We sing stanzas one, two, and four, and after that, doxology number eight in the back. One, two, and four, 406.
Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.